On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla officially starts building its first mega factory while shooting down rumors of the next gigafactory. Plus, the Tesla car referral program comes to an end after six years. Tesla insurance looks to roll out in a couple more states soon and more. What's happening, everybody? Ryan McCaffrey with my canine co-host, Daisy the Boxer, here with you for episode 321 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. This one for September 26th, 2021. I want to start by saying thank you to everybody who emailed, tweeted, Instagrammed, or Patreon posted me a happy birthday message. I had a fantastic day with my family on my birthday this year, so very, very grateful for that. Uh, Next this week... This week marks the stretch run of Q3, the third quarter for Tesla employees. Always a tough, hectic stretch. So I want to say now, thank you to all of you Tesla employees for your hard work in bringing as many happy new Tesla owners into the fold as possible. I have seen this up close. In fact, the delivery center volunteering is back. I will be at the Colma location here in the San Francisco Bay Area on Thursday night, the last night of the quarter, September 30th, doing my best to try and assist the Tesla team in my small way as I and others used to do over at the Fremont Delivery Center in the pre-pandemic times. Uh, And it's it's just so much fun. I love being a small part of of what basically is, in my opinion, and it's this was my experience at least, and I've observed it with other people, for many new owners, it's the closest thing that adults get to being a kid on Christmas morning again, is when you're taking delivery of your Tesla, you've ordered it, you've waited for it, in some cases you've waited a long, long time. Uh, so if by chance... Any of you out there are in the San Francisco Bay Area taking delivery at Colma that night to end the quarter, say hi to me if you happen to see me. Uh, Now, uh, as tonight, this weekend, we all start pressing the button, the full self-driving beta request button, assuming, of course, that it did start appearing in cars after I recorded this late Friday night. Elon tweeted early Friday evening saying, quote, FSD beta request button goes live tonight, but FSD 10.1, which is the version they're going to send out to people that they accept into that, needs another 24 hours of testing. So that will be out tomorrow night, meaning Saturday night, meaning still in the past. It should be out by the time that most of you hear this. So I would imagine that at that late hour, that the rollout or the rollout of the button did happen. By the time you hear this, if you're interested and you have full self-driving either by, you know, full payment or by monthly subscription, go check in your car. I don't know exactly where it's going to be. Presumably, it'll be in the software tab uh, and, you know, with where the updates thing is between standard and advanced. I would imagine that's where it'll live. If not, check the autopilot section of the UI. That's uh, it's most likely going to be in one of those two places. And in fact, speaking of recommendations, I wanted to pass along one more. And this one, uh, this is a, uh, I really can't recommend this enough. I went and watched this myself. 
go on YouTube and search Chuck Cook FSD and watch Chuck's most recent video as of me recording this, which is called FSD Beta Safety Video Perspective New FSD Beta Users Please Watch and Share. That's the very long name of that video. So I want to tell you, I've watched a lot of full self-driving beta videos over the months, and Chuck is one of, if not, I mean, I won't even say one of, I think he's my favorite. It's not to disparage anybody else, but Chuck is my favorite because he's extremely level-headed about the whole thing. It's very academic, his video. Now, for some people, you might find that boring, whatever, but for me, some of the videos that I've seen out there over the months with FSD beta are from people who, for whatever reason or another, just refuse to do anything but heap glowing praise on Tesla and FSD, despite the fact that this is an in-development beta that still has flaws. Chuck, in my opinion, does a fantastic job of presenting perspective, again, as is his title, presenting us the next wave of FSD beta drivers and uh, a, a, a way he presents in a way that is uh, very constructive. It's very informative. He explains what's going on with the car very well. And he's also not afraid to both praise and constructively criticize when the beta doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So check that out if you're interested. It is 30 minutes long. I will warn you of that in advance. But for me, I think it flies by pretty quickly. It just, to me, I think it gives a really good primer for anybody who is about to get the beta over the next week or so. So give it a watch, and if you like it, maybe leave Chuck a nice comment on the video. Uh, one more thing before I get on with the proper Tesla news for the week. Call this a PSA. Call it a public service announcement. This is inspired by a tweet from somebody in the community that I saw. Uh, and anyway, the, the point I want to make is this. If you are at a supercharger and you see a stall with the cord not you know, hung up properly, but instead wrapped around the top of the stall, what that is, is that's, that's Tesla owner code for trying, it's trying to tell you, do not bother pulling in and trying to plug in at that stall because that stall is broken. It's one of those things that it's unofficially spread in the community as a way to try and help each other out. But unfortunately, not everybody knows what it means until they're told because it's, you know, it's not like the screen tells you, oh, if you see this, it's, you know, it's, it's just an unofficial community thing. And, and so it's understandable that not everybody knows what it means. So I figured I would do my part here, use my platform to help spread the word on that if you happen to see it. Now, Tesla, for, the, for their credit here, they have taken a step in the right direction towards messaging this better by themselves. They, you know, if you look on the touchscreen, uh, when you tap a supercharger, it might say something like two stalls out of order. Unfortunately, the car does not tell you which specific stalls are out. So hopefully that's something that Tesla is going to be able to do in the car on the screen eventually on its own. But for now, if you see that cord wrapped around, you know that the stall is not working. So I hope that public service announcement help some of you out there. And with that, let's move on to the proper Tesla news for the week. As usual, there is plenty. First up, Tesla's referral program on the cars has come to an end after six 
years. Now, I will note, I specify cars because there is still a $500 referral available for the Tesla solar roof. Not solar panels, the solar roof tiles specifically. Now, if you go to the referral program page on the Tesla website, which is found at tesla.com slash referral, you are now greeted with this message. As of September 18th, 2021, vehicle products and solar panels are no longer eligible for referral awards. And I have to say, this is not the slightest bit surprising at this juncture in time, because really, I mean, if you just look at the bigger picture, Tesla doesn't need it anymore. They are going and they have, they have been and they will continue to sell every single car they make without needing to incentivize anyone to jump in. But I wanted to take this opportunity to look back because the referral program has had a heck of a history. Uh, I've said this before. I don't think I'm, I'm rather confident that no other automaker in any country in any point in time has ever done something like the, the Tesla referral program before. And it was a heck of a ride. It is just it is a heck of a ride. Uh, now, I've got a pretty good Tesla memory. I pride myself on that because I immerse myself in this stuff on a daily and weekly basis. But even I didn't remember all of the details of the program as it has changed and evolved over the years. So I want to say thank you to Tesla, the Tesla Savings Wiki, for having a fantastic record of the entire program over the years. So a couple, I'm not going to go through the entire thing with you, but just some highlights. It started back in July of 2015, which was, if you're keeping score, before the Model X even shipped. Uh, Now, the referral program was a very sweet deal back then. The person using the referral code got $1,000 off of their Model S, while the owner who referred them, the owner, uh, got a $1,000 credit to use on Tesla service, accessories, or a new Tesla. It was capped at 10, if you're curious. You couldn't just refer you know, 100 people and get a free Model S uh, P85 at the time. Or I guess in 2015, what? That would have been P85D territory? Anyway, uh, those who made five referrals got a free power wall, including installation, as well as an invitation for themselves and a guest to attend the Gigafactory grand opening party. So that just gives you, again, that that sort of puts this at a specific moment in time. The Gigafactory had not opened yet. Giga, Giga One in uh, Reno in Nevada. Those who make 10 referrals, if you max out, you get the right to purchase a fully loaded Founder Series Model X, which they noted at the time was not available to the public. And remember, it wasn't out yet. The, the X period was not out. And the you got, now you didn't get it for free. You just got the option to buy a Founder Series X, which obviously very few people would have. And the, but the discount was you got it for the price of a base Model X, which saved you about $25,000 off of the X. So that was pretty cool. Now, just again, I'm, I'm going to skip ahead here, press fast forward. May 30th, 2016, that was phase four. It was this, five referrals. You got a set of arachnid wheels for the Model S, which at the time you could not buy. It included tires and installation as well. Uh, Model X owners could get the 22-inch turbines. Four referrals, you got an invitation to that Gigafactory opening event. 
as including transportation to the Gigafactory. Three referrals, you got an, a Tesla owner's jacket. Two referrals, you got a Tesla Weekender bag, which was made from the same material, the same leather that the seats were at the time, back when they were still using real leather. Now, in fall of 2016, you got you could get an exclusive red Founders Series Powerwall 2 with seven referrals, and that was hand-signed by Elon, J.B. Straubel, and Franz von Holzhausen. And then if you go fast forward to summer of 2017, that is where the next-gen Roadster offer started before that car had even been announced, where each referral, once you got to five, you could then get each successive referral from then on out would get you a 2% discount on the car, thus requiring 55 total referrals to get you a 100% discount on the next-gen Roadster, which of course is still at least a couple of years away. And then obviously most recently, as probably most if not all of you know, because I imagine a lot of you have partaken in this, either as a referrer or a referee, or both, the 1,000 free supercharging miles for both parties in that transaction. So again, it has been a heck of a journey for this incredible referral program, and I, for one, am extremely grateful to have been in the right place at the right time to have been able to participate and benefit from it. I hope Tesla finds some way to reward owners who continue to spread Tesla's mission statement while the, you know, the company continues to not pay to advertise. So owners are kind of doing the advertising for Tesla and not, you know, not, they are doing it voluntarily. I mean, we we're always, we're happy to talk about these cars with our friends, neighbors, coworkers. Obviously that's why this Tesla podcast exists, but I still think it would be nice for Tesla to somehow acknowledge the owners who are sort of helping to spread the, the good word here. It's, you know, even if it's just more of a nice gesture or overture than, than anything with monetary value, you know, for instance, like supercharging miles have a monetary value. Maybe there's some way that Tesla could have the spirit of this live on moving forward. Next this week, the headline topic, Tesla has broken ground on a new mega factory. Yes, you heard that correctly. Not gigafactory, mega factory. It's in Lathrop which is located between the Fremont factory and Giga Nevada up in Reno. So it's about halfway between. This story was reported first on Bloomberg, who wrote, a California mayor said Tesla broke ground in his city on what it calls a new mega factory, praising the planned facility in a Facebook post that was deleted, but is now visible again. Lathrop Mayor Sonny uh, Dalawal saying, quote, we are proud to be the home of the mega factory. Tesla's most recent expansion here. The future of green energy will be produced right here in our community. And uh, that's the end of his quote. But the plan, as Bloomberg notes, is for a factory expansion to make mega packs, the energy storage product Tesla sells to utilities. Lathrop in San Joaquin County has long been home to the company's warehouses and logistical operations. Now, the mayor's post which does have photos of him standing in front of this new facility's future location at a groundbreaking ceremony with a gigantic Tesla mega factory banner behind him reads, we are proud to be the home of the mega factory. Uh, Oh, I already read you the bulk of the quote. Okay. So I got to say on this, it's good to see Tesla not giving up on California. 
Because if we rewind the clock back to just a year and a half ago, you may remember that uh, Elon was not exactly on the happiest of terms with the state of California in those early days of the pandemic. And of course, Elon himself has moved to Texas, although that's probably as much or more just a, a, a factor of him being close to Starbase and to the Giga Texas facility that's under construction than it is any sort of you know, statement to the California leadership. But anyway, the mega packs, as you all know, have been now a growing part of the energy side of Tesla's business. So this new facility is going to help make sure that that arm of the company continues to grow. Very cool to see on that. Now, speaking of factories, a new Gigafactory rumor sprung up and was quickly shot down by Elon himself. In response to said rumor that claimed that Elon and the Tesla team had decided to build a Gigafactory in Russia, Elon responded on Twitter saying, quote, Tesla has not yet decided on a fourth Gigafactory location. Now, let me preface my response to this by saying that I am certainly no manufacturing or logistics expert. I don't claim to be. This right here is what I'm good at. Enthusiast media. I understand people and I understand companies. And my goal and my job is to distill that down into something that's useful for people. Logistics and manufacturing are not my uh, forte. But with that, with that uh, word of warning out of the way, my take on this, just as a longtime Tesla observer, obviously, is that I don't know where that Russia rumor ultimately came from because I don't see any world in which putting a gigafactory in Russia and specifically the next Gigafactory, not like four Gigafactories from now, but the next one, I just don't see how that would make any sense. Now, in fairness, Elon didn't rule Russia out. His exact words were he just said that they haven't decided. But anyway, my point is that Russia is a geographically massive country that's not a huge car market relative to the rest of the world. So, uh, it's it's just it doesn't make sense to me on those logistical details alone. You know, it's it's not it's also not near anyone else to export to because the country is so enormous. So I would think, again, just based on studying Tesla so religiously for the past 12 years of my life, for me, a second China location, a third USA location, probably specifically the northeastern U.S., or a UK location would make more sense to me, or maybe even India, if Tesla is indeed ready to try and establish a presence there. All of those, to me, make a lot more sense than Russia does. So we'll see. I mean, uh, now another natural follow-up question is, wherever the next Gigafactory is, when will it be announced? These factories seem to take 12 to 18 months to go from breaking ground to producing cars. So the question is, when would Tesla want to have uh, have a new factory open one to two years later after a groundbreaking and where would they want it? Now, just following that line of thought, uh, of those viable options that I laid out for me and, and uh, that makes sense to me, my brain jumps to a second location in China, and the reason is 
to produce the Model 2, the $25,000 car, which, you know, it's not going to be called the Model 2, but we're just still calling it that for the time being. We know that that car is being designed in China and built in China and then will eventually be exported and sold worldwide. That car is supposed to be a 1 million plus unit per year vehicle. So I would think you're going to need another bleeding edge factory in order to make that happen. And thus, China seems like the place to do that, given that it's going to be designed and built there. So that's my guess. We shall see. Next this week, the NTSB head says that Tesla must address, quote, basic safety issues with semi-autonomous features in the car. This story comes via Engadget, who writes, New National Transportation Safety Board head Jennifer Homendy told the Wall Street Journal in an interview that Tesla needs to tackle, quote, basic safety issues before it expands features like autopilot and full self-driving to more parts of the road. She also wasn't thrilled with Tesla beta testing upgrades on public streets. Like other critics, the NTSB leader took issue with Tesla's naming schemes for its driver assists. The full self-driving label is, quote, misleading and irresponsible, Hamandi said, leading to some, quote, excuse me, leading some to, quote, misuse and abuse it. Despite its name, the current FSD package only enables limited autonomy in some situations and requires drivers to be ready to take the wheel at any moment. Thank you, Engadget, on that one. Well, I'll be honest here. I actually don't disagree with her assessment that the full self-driving name is misleading. Irresponsible? Eh, that's up for debate. I'm not willing to go that far. But I will give her that it's maybe a bit misleading, at least for the time being. Now, that may change very soon as the FSD beta rolls out wider and, be, and gets better and better as the neural net continues to evolve. I suspect that it's Elon's endless well of optimism, which, by the way, I've said this before on the podcast, I think it is a good thing. I think the good of that outweighs the bad. And by bad, I'm talking about primarily his penchant for giving wildly optimistic timelines on just about everything. That's that's what I'm referring to, really, with the bad. I think the good outweighs the bad uh, in terms of Elon's bottomless well of optimism. And But it's my point is that I suspect it is that optimism that Elon has at his core that may have won out in naming it full self-driving. Like he just thought, well, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do it soon. So we're going to call it full self-driving. And obviously it's taken a lot longer than anticipated. But uh, in hindsight, certainly it's always hindsight's always 2020. But given how the pace of this development has gone, because again, this is a level 99 nightmare difficulty, never ever solved before problem, given how that has gone and the fact that Tesla has been selling a full self-driving capability package for years now in hindsight, which again, I just recognize it's very easy for me to sit here and do that. But in hindsight, I wonder if something like autopilot plus would have been a less controversial name for the full self-driving package, at least until they actually achieve proper FSD. 
Now that said, it's certainly in Tesla's defense here, the car is pretty darn clear about how attentive you need to be and how responsible you are for what happens when you go to turn this on in the menu to begin with, and then every single time you actually enable it for your drive, you get the message that says, keep your hands on the wheel, be prepared to take over at any time. Now, uh, all of this is probably pretty moot though, because let's face it, autopilot, neither autopilot nor full self-driving capability, those are not being renamed as packages unless the government somehow mandates it, which quite frankly, I'm not even sure that they can do. And I'm not sure they can force you to rename something. Here's hoping though that the FSD beta gets many of us much, much closer to living up to the actual name of the full self-driving capability package very soon here as we all await the button. Uh, One more story. It is the last one here. Tesla Insurance is looking to expand to a couple of more states here in the United States very soon. Elon tweeting, quote, The regulatory process for approval to offer insurance is extremely slow and complex, varying considerably by state. Tesla is hoping to offer real-time, based on actual driving history, insurance in Texas next month, meaning October. Probably next year before we get approval in New York. Hopefully worldwide long-term, but insurance is a regulatory labyrinth slash escape room, which is probably a pretty apt way of putting it. So sadly, it's only two states that seem to be coming up next, And one of those two might still be another year away yet. But the good news is at least the two states that are up next are big, big states that are both very Tesla-heavy areas. Uh, And thus, I'm sure it's not a coincidence that Tesla is trying to get their insurance arm approved in those specific states up next for that exact reason. You may remember when this has come up before that Illinois had seemingly thrown its hat into the ring last year too. So hopefully that one will come to fruition sooner rather than later. Obviously last week, just on last week's show, I was just talking about Illinois and how they've been all in on the EV movement here. So hopefully that will continue with them uh, accepting and, and approving Tesla insurance to be offered for sale. Uh, anyway, I'm not sure if there's anything that the, that the community can do to help out here with getting these approved. I just don't know if writing letters to state Congress people or anything else is going to speed things along here, but at least it's good news for those of you in Texas specifically in the short term. And I know I've got plenty of folks listening to this podcast in Texas. So keep an eye out for that. And with that, I come to the end of the Tesla news block for the week, but stick with me. There is plenty more Ride the Lightning to come. Next up are your phone calls. Excellent topics this week in the Ride the Lightning hotline. Stay tuned right after this. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning hotline. It is your chance to be heard, literally. You can be on the podcast by calling in with your question, comment, or discussion topic. There are two ways to do that. 
Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can take that same call, that same question, and dial in to the toll-free Ride the Lightning hotline. Just leave a message. It's one 888 989-8752. Again, that's one 989 tsla And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with Somi from Vancouver talking video games in the Teslas. Hi, Ryan. This is Somi from Vancouver, Canada. I just wanted to give a little plug to the uh, Skyforce Reloaded game that was added to our Teslas back in July uh, 2021. Um, I know that the novelty of having video games in the car has probably worn off on many Tesla owners. And so when these games get um, added, I don't know if Tesla owners try them anymore. Um, I'm not a huge video game person, um, but... I, I true try to try out every little pe- uh, feature. This one, I have to tell you, it was made for a big touch screen, uh, in, especially in the Tesla with, with, the, with the surround sound. It is just so cool. Um, it's different from the other games. You can use it with a controller, but the touch screen is so much more effective and so much more fun. And if you are a Tesla owner and hasn't, haven't tried it yet and you have it in your car, I'd encourage just to give it a try. Um, just so you say you've tried it, but I just wanted to, to, uh, let people know because, um, I do feel like this one is a little different. It does have a real, um, sort of intuitive feel and it belongs in the car. So, and as usual, Ryan, thanks for all you do. You have such a great podcast. Uh, keep up the great work and, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you very much, Somi. I have a confession. I have not yet tried Skyforce Reloaded myself. Now, for those wondering, Skyforce Reloaded is a classic arcade-style shmup. That's what we call them, a.k.a. shoot 'em up Yes, we just smash that into one word. That's what we do in the video game industry. So it is a vertically scrolling shmup. In other words, your ship is at the bottom of the screen, and you shoot towards the top of the screen as your ship moves in that direction. It is a great fit for the car because you can play it in short bursts. That's like a big, for me, that is one of, if not the number one thing about a game in the Tesla is that it's playable in short bursts. It's not a big involved thing that you have to sit down with for 20 or 30 minutes at a time or more in order to make any progress. So, Somi, I appreciate the recommendation and yay Tesla for continuing to update the Tesla Arcade. Hopefully, on that note, the new Model S owners get Cyberpunk 2077 soon, even though I just got done saying that big games that need 20 to 30 minutes at a time aren't ideal, which is pretty much what Cyberpunk is, but you can still kind of goof around in the open world for a few minutes at a time in Cyberpunk. Next up is Tony in Tucson. Hey, Ryan, this is Tony out in Tucson driving my 2021 Model 3 Long Range. Um... So my question, I've had this car for about nine months now, and my max charge has dropped from 353 when I got it brand new down to 314 now at a max charge. And I've read so many things online, and 
even Tesla said, hey, don't worry about it, it's driving conditions. And since I do live in Tucson, I know it is hot, and I know that could probably affect driving range. But my main question is, is what is, at least your point of view, what is better? Tesla says to charge the car every night to around 90%. A lot of my friends and other Tesla owners say that letting it discharge from 80 to 20 and then charging it all the way back up from 20 to 80 is the best way, and then once or twice a year, maybe even once a month, charge it or discharge it down to 5% and charge it all the way back up to 95%. So just wanted to put my feelers out there to you and the Ride the Lightning community, and uh, I guess that's my question for today. But otherwise, been ha- had the car for almost nine months now and loving every minute of it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Hey, Tony. Well, max charge and the estimate of what your full charge is is definitely a topic that comes up a lot, and understandably so. So I'm happy to give my perspective on this based on everything that I've read as well as my own actual experience with my car. First, I agree with you that I would not worry about that 314 number. You are indeed in pretty extreme conditions, as you're well aware. I lived in the Valley for 15 years myself, So I am all too aware of how that Arizona heat can affect cars. I'm old enough to remember when cars still had metal seatbelt buckles. And in the Arizona sun, the summer, you'd have to grab onto that metal seatbelt buckle to to put the belt into and it would burn your hand. That was fun. Why did we use metal seatbelt buckles? That was a terrible idea. Anyway, as for how much uh, to charge it each night... Ideally, you want to keep it in the sweet spot, which is between 50% and 90%. Feel free to do 90. I did for a while myself, but then when the pandemic hit and I wasn't commuting anymore, I dropped my daily charge down to 60, which is where I keep it now unless I know I'm going to be doing some driving, which is typically the weekends. Now, as far as rebalancing your battery management system, yeah, You could drain it down under 20, then do 100% charge every now and again, Uh, but it it really isn't too big of a deal if you don't do that, so don't worry too much about it. I mean, for instance, my car, officially rated, it started life at 310 estimated miles of range. It went down to a max estimated charge of 287 for a while. Then last year, when I was keeping it at 60, whether that's a factor or not, I noticed that the max charge estimate went back up to, I believe it was like 304. I have screenshots of it on my Instagram. Anyway, it's not the point. Right now, uh, when I was, after I listened to your call, so I did a ton of driving over the last weekend and it's been hot here, upper 80s. So, you know, a little, a little warm. My max estimate at this moment in time is 282. So no need to worry about it. It's going to bounce up and down. The only thing to really make sure to not do is to leave it really low, like below 20% for any length of time, or this is probably even more important, do not leave it at 100% for very long either. But other than that, those two simple rules on either end of the extremes, just follow those, your golden, your battery will be very healthy for a long, long time. Enjoy the car, Tony, and thank you so much for your call. Here's Nanda Kumar from Phoenix, staying in Arizona here, who uh, wants to talk about, speaking of range, that same, that very same thing, range on a trip. 
Hey Ryan, this is Nanda Kumar from Phoenix. Um, I've been listening to you since episode 200, but this is the first time I'm calling you. So uh, I have a question. Uh, I own a standard range plus model 3. Uh, I purchased it in December 2019. Um, I, I believe when I purchased it, um, Tesla was saying that um, the range of the car is 240 miles. However, um, since I'm just starting to get back on road for long trips, I'm just realizing um, it just shows me only 223 miles whenever I charge it uh, 200%. So I don't know what's uh, with that. Um, it never bothers me when I go on a day-to-day trip, but uh, I'm planning to move from Phoenix to Seattle, and I think those 20-30 miles would uh, really be helpful uh, on my long trip. So any thoughts on that would be appreciated. Um, Keep up the good work. Um, Thank you so much. Nanda Kumar, thank you very much for calling in. You are not alone here. The common experience seems to be that electric cars suffer the bulk of their battery degradation pretty quickly, relatively speaking, within the first year or two. And then after that, it is a much slower decline over many years. Now, this, is, this all changes if we're talking about the iron phosphate battery pack, which we're not in this case. That has different properties. It doesn't really degrade. Anyway, uh, but let's stick with your car here and get back to that. So my car, just as an example, because I have the same kind of battery in mind that you do, my car just turned three years old. And as I mentioned with the last caller, it was officially rated for 310 miles. Now, never mind that it's never gotten that and it never will because of the 20 inch wheels on the performance version, but I digress. So again, if I check my max range in the app right now, it's showing 282. However, as I was talking about with the last call, that battery management system, it will adjust that estimate based on a number of factors. It'll go up, it'll go down. So I would not worry too much about it, but to be clear, what you're experiencing is not abnormal. So good luck on your big trip, and thank you again for calling in. Going over to Texas now to talk to Daryl from Houston, sharing his experience supercharging outside of California. Hey, Ryan. This is Daryl from Houston again. I listened to episode 318 while driving back from Wisconsin, and after your bid on V3 superchargers, I thought you'd like to hear my mid-America supercharging experiences. I regularly take road trips from Houston to visit family in Wisconsin. Due to COVID, my previous trip was December 2019, in which all locations were V2, and I often had to do the slow charge beyond 80% to reach the next stop. Worst was the 100% charge required between Minor, Missouri and Little Rock, Arkansas, and even then my 2018 Long Range Model 3 prompted me to drive below the speed limit. For this trip, I visited my nephew at Fort Riley in Kansas, family around the state of Wisconsin, and then friends in Chicago. Of the 19 supercharger sites I used, 5 were new V3 locations with 8 to 22 stalls, and 14 were older V2 sites with 6 to 10 stalls. The faster charging, plus not needing to charge beyond 80%, was a noticeable improvement over prior trips. Prime example would be the new V3 site in Brinkley, Arkansas, which eliminated both the 100% charge requirement and the prompt to drive below the speed limit that I'd previously encountered. Another difference I noticed was the charging fees. On prior trips, only Minnesota charged by the kilowatt. All other states were by the minute. 
This trip, only Texas and Wisconsin charged by the minute. All others were now by the kilowatt. In the Houston metro, our two newest supercharger sites are V3, containing 16 stalls each. Our five older V2 sites range from 6 to 12 stalls. During all of my trips, I've only had to wait for a stall once. This occurred in Little Rock during the summer of 2019 and was due to nine of the 10 stalls being iced. Turned out they were having a sales tax holiday weekend and Little Rock's only superchargers are located at a mall, which was packed. So from what I've seen in mid-America, Tesla's supercharger expansion appears to be keeping ahead of their vehicle sales growth. I hope you find this informative. Have a great day. Daryl, I really appreciate you sharing your experience here. And yes, I do find your call informative. I'm very, very glad to hear that the experience of supercharging outside of California, where I've been talking about the massive expansion that's been going on, very glad to hear that it has gotten noticeably, tangibly better. Safe travels to you, and thanks again for calling in. Next up, here's Derek from West Virginia talking about satellite radio in the Teslas. Hey, Ryan, Derek Nussert here from West Virginia, calling about Sirius XM radio. My wife and I are planning on buying a Model Y next year in the summer. We live in the United States National Radio Quiet Zone, which, if you're not familiar with, is a wide area in West Virginia, Virginia, and part of Maryland that restricts radio transmissions due to a National Observatory and Navy communication facility. Check it out if you're interested. This limits radio and cell service in the area, and from what I understand, the Model 3 and the Model Y do not have or do not come with a Sirius XM radio installed. Um, Streaming isn't an option for the majority of my wife's daily commute as there is only spotty cell phone service. Uh, Do you know if there are any options for Sirius XM in the Model Y? Thanks in advance and keep up the good work. Thanks. Hey, Derek, I did not know about the quiet zone. I Googled it after I listened to your call and sure enough, that's a thing. I had never heard about that before. So thank you for educating me about that. I got to learn something new today, which I always appreciate. Now to your question. I was all set to have to regretfully tell you that I don't think you can do it, that only the S and the X have it, but the S and the X do have the antenna built in, so it would work as it's not a streaming connection in those cars. But then I found a website online from a guy giving step-by-step instructions on how to do a clean install where the unit would live nicely in the bottom of your center console. So. It looks like it can be done, though it might not be for the faint of heart because it requires a lot of routing into wires and all kinds of things. Also, it taps into FM, but if I'm reading it correctly, I think it would only be for communicating with the car and maybe it wouldn't be a victim of the quiet zone, but maybe I'm mistaken, I'm not quite sure. So I hope that helps in some small way. I believe I sent you the link via email to that uh, that video, that the, the instructions that that person made for that install. Jason from Highland, Indiana is up next talking about the Illinois EV rebate. Hi, Ryan. Jason Tharp from Highland, Indiana. I wanted to add some information on the state of Illinois energy legislation that you spoke about in episode 320, primarily about the EV tax credit and how it would likely cover all or a large portion of the sales tax, depending on model purchased. Unfortunately, this information is only partially accurate. 
The state of Illinois does have a six and a quarter percent sales tax, but allows each county to tack on up to an additional four and three quarter percent, uh, which many of the more populous counties do. For example, the top four most populous counties are Cook, DuPage, Lake, and Will counties, and their sales tax rates are 11%, 10 10%, 8 percent and 9%, respectively. Not surprisingly, Cook is the state's highest tax rate, as well as the home to Chicago, and the other three counties all surround Cook County. Uh, I just thought I'd add some uh, context for people that may not be familiar with the tax stratification of the state of Illinois. As always, love the show and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks. Jason, thank you very much for that clarification about the Illinois EV rebate. I'll be honest with you. Any place having a higher rate of anything financial, like when it comes to cost than San Francisco, is always shocking to me because this is the most expensive place in the United States. And by the way, I don't say that with any pride whatsoever, believe me. But anyway, uh, the EV rebate is still very generous, and it will at least knock out a lot of that sales tax bill for most folks in the state of Illinois. And honestly, I hope more states follow Illinois' lead on this. Thanks again, Jason. Next is Eric from Vermont, who's been watching some Beta 10 FSD videos. Hey, Ryan, this is Eric from Vermont. Uh, I've been watching the new version 10 FSD videos, just like everyone else has, and have a couple thoughts. Um, the YouTubers experimenting with version 10 have different levels of comfort of letting the car get into dangerous or uncomfortable situations before they disengage. Uh, I'm a believer that you do learn the most in life from your mistakes and FSD software is probably no different, but what level of mistakes are needed to train the fleet? Do we want to do subtle miscues on timing acceleration or steering or really let the AI get stuck and ask for a bailout from from the driver. Uh, I'd love Tesla to give us testers some direction, especially when we are driving version 10 whatever. Um, and then my other thought is uh, I haven't heard much on Tesla car insurance lately. Um, at some point, uh, you know, the liability is going to go uh, to Tesla when FSD is engaged, um, you know, basically assuming that it we can't, you know, the car can't be bailed out by the human. Um, and I don't see third-party insurance companies giving a great rate on a technology as new as, new as this. So Tesla is really going to have to roll out the um, FSD support based on where it can give car insurance uh, so it's kind of be region by region. Uh, it would be interesting to see if insurance will be ready before or after the regulation and software get there. Uh, Tesla insurance should be cheaper out of pocket uh, because the FSD liability switches to Tesla. Of course, in order to get that cheaper rate, you first have to have bought FSD or subscribed to it. So I'm thinking FSD and car insurance seem naturally to be bundled together to increase the take rate and reduce the cost of entry. Uh, just curious what you think. Thanks as always for a great podcast. 
Hey, Eric, the first big thing to remember here is that the liability will not go to Tesla until the system is officially classified as level four or level five. I think that that's why, as many others have also theorized, that Tesla will probably officially keep it classified as level two where it is now, even as it becomes better and better at driving you without interventions and without driver disengagements. That might mean, probably will mean, that the autopilot nag sticks around, necessitating, you know, of course, that you keep your hands on the wheel at all times and and have a little bit of, you know, pressure applied so that you are you are on the wheel. But that liability is a big factor in how the system is classified and regulated as well. As for Tesla insurance, you are correct in that Tesla will have all the data on its insurance clients. If they use FSD all the time, it may very well result in a lower insurance premium, thus luring more Tesla owners to use that service instead of one of the major legacy car insurance companies. The disruption, I tell you, Tesla's really good at disrupting things. Another industry is up next here with insurance. Let's see if Tesla can disrupt that one as well. Should be fun to watch. Howard from Washington is up next, responding to a caller from last week. Go ahead, Howard. Ryan, Howard from Washington here. I was listening to the recent podcast, and you had a gentleman from Springfield, Missouri on that had concerns about getting a Tesla serviced if he was to purchase another one, which is looking that up. And there are... Uh, mobile tire services available in his area that can handle both installation, repair, balancing, and rotation. He may also want to call the local service center for Tesla and see if they do a scheduled drive in his area to service other vehicles. When I was up in Spokane, I asked the uh, representative of the service center there, if they had a mobile service for where I live, and they told me that they come through this area two times a week. I hope this is helpful. Thank you. Those are great suggestions, Howard. Thank you. I didn't know that Tesla does mobile service sweeps through adjacent cities in certain places where they don't have proper service centers. So that is definitely a great suggestion for Ben from Springfield and probably a number of other listeners as well. Cheers, Howard. I'll see you on the next Patreon monthly Google Hangout. He's a, Howard's a regular on those. Always love chatting with him. Dave in Tallahassee is our penultimate caller for this week's episode. He is also talking service. Go ahead, Dave. Hi, Ryan. This is uh, Dave in Tallahassee, where we still need a service center. But my question is this. Um, I'm going to have to park my uh, Model S 2020 uh, for about nine days, and I expect some battery degradation. I'm just wondering, if I turn the car off completely, uh, will that uh, mitigate that degradation or not? Thanks for your answer. Talk to you later. Bye. Dave, thank you for your call. So uh, the question is in regards to leaving the car unplugged for a long time while you're on your trip, you should not lose much juice in that time, particularly if sentry mode is turned off. If sentry mode is on, then yes, that will eat a good bit of battery and you probably should shut it off uh, if it's activated, if you've just got it enabled by default. But 
Generally speaking, you should not need to worry about powering the car all the way down like that. It is meant to be able to sit for extended periods if it needs to. Uh, there have been plenty of other owners out there who've left their cars sitting unplugged for much longer. I'm talking like pilots that go away for weeks at a time and been totally fine. Safe travels to you, Dave. And our final call this week is another Dave. It's David from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Go ahead, David. Hey, Ryan. I'm David G. from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I own a number of Teslas for a business that I have here in West Michigan. And I always get asked, what is your favorite Tesla? And I usually kid around and say, whatever one I'm driving at the time. But a couple months ago, I took delivery of a 2021 Long Range Model 3. And while I was sitting in the parking lot at the service center, I upgraded to the acceleration boost. I gotta tell you, this car I think is just the best bang for the buck. If a Model 3 performance is a little out of people's reach, get the long range with the acceleration boost and you are almost there. But having paid for that acceleration boost, I was wondering, what are the downsides to it? Does anybody know? I've looked around, but I can't see, I mean, does the acceleration boost shorten the life of your motors or does it impact your range uh, are there any downsides to it besides it costing two thousand dollars thanks ryan thanks for all you do really appreciate the podcast david great to hear from you uh, there are no downsides to the car and i agree it is the best bang for your buck overall relative to the performance version all the acceleration boost does is unlock a bit more juice from the motor juice that you get and then some when you buy the full-blown Performance Model 3. Your motors are not going to suffer, and unless you drive it like you stole it, neither will your range, since you'll still have the same 18-inch or 19-inch tires and wheels. It's when you go to those 20s, like I was talking about earlier in the podcast, the 20s on the proper Performance 3, that is where you take a noticeable range hit. Trust me from experience on that. Just enjoy it in good health, David, and thank you for calling in. That wraps up an excellent block of Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls. Again, if you would like to be featured on this podcast, you can call in anytime with your question, comment, or discussion topic as it pertains to Tesla. Just dial in in one of the two easy ways that I told you about at the top of this segment. But I'm not done yet. Stick with me for the pro tip and more coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. I am very excited about what's going on with my car this weekend. I just cleaned it, yes, on Friday night before the podcast, because Saturday morning there is the big... Tesla owners Silicon Valley and also East Bay joint club meetup at the Mac house in uh, Fremont, California, probably not too far from the factory. It is a photo studio where they shoot cars. They, they photo video cars, professional photography for the car. I mentioned this event a few weeks ago when the invite first went out, very excited about this one. So you can find inevitably you will find pictures from that event, including the professional photos that I get taken on my Instagram page if you're interested in following me there, DMC underscore Ryan on Instagram. 
Uh, entertainment recommendation for this week. I'll give you a game I reviewed this recently for IGN. Definitely not for kids on this one, but if uh, the kids are in bed and you want a nice, easy, not easy in the sort of challenge difficulty sense, but just easy as in like you can just pick it up. It's kind of like a good book. Anyway, the game's called 12 Minutes. It's on Xbox or PC. It's also on Xbox Game Pass if you're a subscriber there. I The less you know about the story, the better. It's a time loop murder mystery. I'll just put it to you that way. The end of it, uh, yeah, the, uh, just... I really like the game. I gave it an 8 out of 10 for IGN, so there's my entertainment recommendation for this week. Also, uh, I haven't mentioned this lately because they've all been sold out, which is amazing. My Hedgelords, my Tesla-inspired NFTs that I've been making, they're, uh, I'm trying to get more done because they've all sold, which is just makes me so happy. They've all got happy homes, and there are a couple in the works right now, so you can keep an eye out for more of those as they go up at www.hedgelord.net. Again, these are inspired by the waving hedgehog who says, ha ha, yes, that's on the order confirmation page after you purchase your Tesla. So I've sort of taken that and tried to make it into a, an, a, you know, an Elon Muskiverse inspired character with, uh, you know, just take a look if you're curious, if you're, if, even if you're not interested in NFTs themselves, you just want to see what they look like. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun with these, so check those out. All right, time for the pro tip of the week. Here's Tyler from Ohio, who was able to track down a very curious vibration in his car. Go ahead, Tyler. Hey, Ryan, this is Tyler from Melbourne, Ohio. I have a tip for everyone. I was recently dealing with some vibrations on my Model Y when I was going about 65, 70 mile an hour on the highway and I took it into the Goodyear Tire Center uh, because I'm not very close to a Tesla service center and they worked on balancing the wheels for me and everything and they thought they had it figured out and even showed me the foam inside of one of the tires being attached. I didn't know till um, I got this car that there might be foam inside of the tires uh, just for noise reduction and stuff. So um, after they worked on it, I still was having some issues and they, they got pretty violent and I was the vibrations. And I actually was able to make something work at the service center in Columbus and they checked it out and found my front passenger tire had its foam detached and that's what was causing all my vibrations. And they made me really happy. They were able to swap the tire with a new one, and it's been super smooth since. So I just wanted to throw it out there for folks that are new to Tesla. Uh, my trucks in the past don't have any foam inside, so I've never heard of that. So uh, just something to watch out for if you run into any issues, and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks. Tyler, thank you for that tip. I have heard about this problem over the years here and there, so I am happy to share your experience because I'll tell you, I am someone who is driven nuts by little NVH, noise, vibration, harshness issues. This would have made me crazy. So now I know that if it happens, if I hear this, I will think about your call and have the insulation foam in the tires checked. Now, for those curious... That foam is in our Tesla tires to try and block some of the sound from the road since there's no engine noise to cover up the road noise 
in a Tesla. Thanks again, Tyler. And again, if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, you can send it my way the same way that you dial in to the regular Ride the Lightning hotline, which I told you about earlier in the show. And with that, let me mention some friends of the podcast that might be of use to you. I will start with abstractocean.com, now on their fourth generation tempered glass screen protectors. They've now got antimicrobial coating. They use aluminosilicate glass, which by the way, Corning uses the same stuff for Gorilla Glass. Uh, Those are unique features, totally going to be different and better than all the other screen protector options out there in the aftermarket world. So it's the cleanest, it's the hardest Tesla screen protector on the planet. It ships with the installation frame, so it's easy to put on. There's a lifetime guarantee on it. And then they, of course, have a million other products at abstractocean.com as well. A lot of lighting stuff, rear footwell lighting kit, a lot of cool interior lighting stuff. So just take a look at all of it at abstractocean.com and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. That's RTLPODCAST, all one word, smushed together. Be sure to stop by everyamp.com slash RTL and get your snap plate, the front license plate bracket that will not stick to your car with an automotive adhesive tape, which is what Tesla gives you with your car. I don't recommend using that because then if you ever want to take it off, it could get ugly. It could leave behind all kinds of gross residue that would be a real pain to get off. Just get the snap plate, invest a little bit of money, and you'll have this excellent front license plate bracket that can go on and off easily, but stays on securely. It doesn't mess with the paint, doesn't mess with autopilot, uh, doesn't mess with your radiator, any of that stuff. It's a clean, minimalist design. Grab yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. They've got them for all four Teslas. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections has taken such great care of me and my car over the past three years, and I highly recommend that you take your car there as well if you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. You can find the website at irdetailing.com. If you decide to get in touch to book a service, maybe you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax your car for the next three to five years. Maybe you want to do some paint protection film, just protect that paint from small rocks and chips and things. Maybe you want to do paint correction, get that finish looking better than factory new, Maybe a combination of that, maybe all of that, irdetailing.com. And when you contact Jeff at Immaculate Reflections, be sure to mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and there will be a discount waiting for you upon completion of that service. And let's not forget about Jada. They've got a fantastic lineup of products. I am a fan. I've got two of their products in my car right now. The Jada Wireless Charging Pad, which is great for everybody with a pre-2021 Model 3. Thankfully, the 2021 3s come with a wireless charging pad built in, as do all the Model Ys. But for those of you with a legacy Model 3, as it were, be sure to grab the Jada Wireless Charging Pad. They're up to version 4 of that product as well. It's just really great. Looks, it looks factory, which is what I'm, I love that. That's my preference is that it looks stock. But they've also got the Jada USB hub console, which has a bunch of wireless charging capable stuff on it. Uh, there's also the SSD drive for the Sentry mode. If you want to go just hardcore with a giant SSD hard drive 
in there, you can do that as well. If you're gonna buy any of it, use the coupon code RTL, and if you are going to buy any of it, please use my referral link, which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. That is the link to use if you wouldn't mind. I would very much appreciate it. Uh, And then finally, there is the Patreon, of course. That is the primary way through which you can voluntarily choose to support the show. I would be humbled and grateful if you would at least take a look at the Patreon page at some point. Even if you don't do a pledge today, maybe take a look at the page. It's patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. A lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of research, a lot of everything, a lot of my soul goes into this podcast each week. And I love doing it. Don't get me wrong. But uh, your support would make a world of difference if you do see fit to do that at some point. The support tiers start at just $5 per month or $57 for the year of that tier because I give you a a 5% discount if you pledge for the year rather than just month by month. But the uh, basic, the $5 tier, the sport tier, as they're all named after Tesla speed settings, acceleration settings, that will get you early access to each week's episode. So you're not just supporting the podcast, you're also getting early access. You go up to the ludicrous tier at 10 bucks a month, and that will get you the early access and the bonus mini episode that I do every month. And then it just goes up from there on up to the, well, the top end is the Roadster and Space tier, which is uh, pretty awesome. There's a lot there, but I would say the sweet spot, I'm getting a lot of people really interested in the uh, Maximum Plaid tier. That is the $25 a month tier. That will get you all the perks on up to and including that uh, monthly Google Hangout with the group that I told you about. We've been having a blast at those probably coming up on a year's worth of those, and it's just been a lot of fun. So anyway, Take a look at the Patreon page if you get a chance, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. If you are not already following slash subscribing to the podcast, uh, I'm on all the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, and also YouTube is just audio only. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube if that's how you'd prefer to listen to it. So wherever you are, I am happy to be there for you as well. You can follow slash subscribe so that you don't have to remember, oh, right, it's Sunday. There's a new episode out. It will just get pushed to you automatically. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. It's the same handle either way, DMC underscore Ryan. And with that, let me say hello and thank you to the Plaid Maximum Plaid and Roadster in Space tier Patreon backers. I want to start with the Maximum Plaid group because there's a couple of new folks. Thank you so much and welcome to Victoria Ayacoveto and Corey O'Donnell. Thank you very much for your very kind pledge. And then the rest of the Maximum Plaid group, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, 
Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Matt Kalen, Zachary Howard, and Tyler Smith. And then the plaid group, we have George Cassioppo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, congratulations to Jerome, he knows why, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, looking forward to seeing them tomorrow, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelesny, Joshua Walker, Rick Dean, and not Elon Musk. And finally, the Roadster in Space tier, the highest tier backers, thank you very, very much. Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, and Richard Stokes. Thank you all so very, very much. Thanks to everybody backing the Patreon again. It does make a very nice, positive difference in the life of myself and my family. And I thank all of you who have chosen to contribute to my, uh, to support my efforts with the podcast via Patreon. That will about wrap it up here for episode 321 of Ride the Lightning. It's going to be fun. The button should be up. A lot of you have likely pressed it by now. I will hopefully have pressed it by the time most of you hear this on Sunday. I hope, I sure hope it's there because I'm going to press it as soon as I see it. And then the seven day drive extra careful countdown is on and we'll see how many people start getting added next week by the time I go to record next week's show. So for a snoozing Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Happy extra safe electric motoring, my friends. And I will see you back here for episode 322, the same time, same day, same everything next week. See you then. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make, it's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.